0: Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, it's Joby Martin from The Church of 1122 in Jacksonville, Florida. He was back on The Meeting House recently and offers insight relative to the implications of Christ's resurrection and how that opens up the possibilities of God to work profoundly in our lives. Then, Catherine Claire Larson has six children and shares her Christ-centered wisdom about how mothers can approach the first year of a baby's life, making sure that she is devoting time to spiritual growth and refreshment. And on this edition of The Intersection, Bill Myers, who is known for his work with Adventures in Odyssey from Focus on the Family, has teamed up with that ministry to communicate a message of God's faithfulness in challenging situations. Some of his comments are ahead. Finally, there is great concern in the pro-life community about the safety of pregnancy resource centers, as well as churches who have a pro-life perspective. Dean Nelson of Human Coalition addresses what has been occurring. This is The Intersection, of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Joby Martin is founder and lead pastor of the Church of 1122 in Jacksonville, Florida. He visited The Meeting House recently to discuss a book in which he has teamed up again with Charles Martin called, Anything is Possible, How Nine Miracles of Jesus Reveal God's Love for You. From that conversation, here is Joby Martin. When Charles and I wrote these books, we had them in mind, like one continuous
1: conversation and um you know we have a world with a lot of need we serve a miracle working god i do not see uh an expiration date on the holy spirit in my bible mm-hmm. and the reason that you can believe it god hears your prayers and answers your prayers and the reason that you can believe god for a miracle is is because he's already pulled off the greatest miracle of all time that god became a man he lived a perfect life died on a cross was dead and buried and then three days later god breathed new life into his dead son and he came out of that grave so people all the time have have told me um pastor i'm in an impossible situation like Hmm. an impossible marriage an impossible financial situation impossible health situation and then one day i just said it well if the tomb is empty then anything is possible And so that's what this book is. But we're really pointing people to the maker of miracles. We don't want people to be just chasing after the miracle itself. It's very important.
0: Yeah, and I'd like for you to elaborate on that, because we do, throughout the pages of the Scripture, we see Jesus doing amazing things. And then once he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. The church was planted, the early church, and we look at the book of Acts, and and we see all these wonderful things that are Occurring, So we recognize, and Jesus himself said, with God, nothing is impossible. But I think that's an excellent point, that it's important that we focus on the person of Jesus, the one who brings the miraculous into our lives, rather than focusing on the miracles first. <laughs> Dig down, if you would, on that just a bit.
1: Yeah, we wrote a whole chapter on on what do you do when God doesn't do what you think he ought to do. And <laughs> yeah. in John chapter 6, <clears throat> after the feeding of the 5,000, you know, the crowds are huge. And then the Bible says that Jesus starts um, starts teaching something that's very confusing to everybody. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And, um, and then instead of explaining it, I mean, can you imagine if you're a first century Jewish listener? And and you're taking notes and you're thinking, Did he did he say fish? He had to say fish. He couldn't have said flesh. I mean, we're Jewish. We can't eat pork, much less the rabbi, right? And and then he he doubles down on it. Unless you feed on my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And then the disciples start leaving. Now, he could have explained it in about three minutes. He could have said, Hold on, hold on, hold on. One day you'll understand. I'm gonna be crucified and I'm going to institute the Lord's Supper and as an understanding of the gospel, that's what I'm saying. You know, eventually a church is going to be a little wafer and a little bit of grape juice. So You don't have to, like, bite onto my tricep. And it's to remember the gospel. And unless you receive the gospel, you have no part with me. That's how long it would have taken him to explain. He explains nothing. And then he looks at Peter and says, you don't want to leave too, do you? And the reason he says this to Peter is because Peter probably is probably thinking, I've made a terrible career choice. This makes no sense to me at all. And Peter's answer helps me hmm. when uh, the miracle I'm praying for doesn't come through the way I was hoping it would. And Peter says, to whom shall we go? You're the only one that offers eternal life. So there's a whole chapter on what do you do when God doesn't do what he can do. And, in fact, while I was writing this book, um, I lost my best friend. We were hunting. The, uh, we uh, we were actually in Scotland hunting red stag, and we go up in the hills together and Bradley never makes it back.
2: Mm.
1: And I'm writing a book on the God of Miracles. But also, during that same time, another one of my best friends gets diagnosed with uh, brain cancer and given three years to live. And uh, we pray and pray and pray and pray, and God miraculously heals my friend. So the point of this book is to point people to... God of miracles, and we know that he loves us, not by looking at our circumstances, but by looking at the cross and the empty tomb.
0: Joby Martin here on The Intersection. You can find out more online at Joby, J-O-B-Y, Martin.com or coe 2 This is The Intersection Podcast. Catherine Claire Larson visited with me for the Meeting House program recently and offered a look from a biblical worldview perspective at motherhood as well as a mom's viewpoint about her newborn child relative to her book called Watching in Wonder, Growing in Faith During Your Baby's First Year. Here now from that conversation is Catherine Claire Larson.
3: Really in that year, um, the Lord just, he ministered to me through his word and showed me that um, when I feel like I'm not enough, that he is enough. When I feel like um, I'm the only one awake pacing the floor, he reminded me that he is the God who neither slumbers nor sleeps, that he was up pacing the floor with me. Um, And so just so many moments where he met me in the midst of the hard things and then reminded me that every joy, every miracle of development points back to him and that I can give that to him in praise.
0: And it is a very unique time in that you are are going. It is certainly a, a change. It is a transition time for moms as well as dads, and uh, of course, if there are siblings in the home as well, it's it's certainly a, a time of of change. And you want to. Devote yourself fully to really, like you were sharing, all of these firsts during the first year, all those things that we should really cherish as a child has come into this world, a precious gift of God. And so there is, I would imagine, that you really experience and moms experience a tremendous weight of. Responsibility. And it's a it's a shared responsibility because obviously you want to to give all that you have to your child, but also you don't want to get to a point where you give so much that you have, if you can say it like this, nothing left for yourself. Because if you're you're spent and you're exhaust, if you're exhausted, then that certainly isn't something that is beneficial to to the child or anyone in your home, right?
3: Right. Yeah. So, I think it's really um learning to um be disciplined about rest, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I think that uh, one of the things that really has helped me as a mom is to um to ask for help, um to go to bed at a good time, um and to um to really be um mindful about even the rhythms the Lord has put into our week of taking time for Sabbath, of taking time to, um, to really do something that brings me joy, um, asking my husband, asking other people for help um, so that I can be the best mom that God wants me to be and be present and joyful and um, really nourished so that I can nourish this life.
0: You are listening to Meeting House here on Faith Radio. The author of the book, Watching and Wonder, Catherine Claire Larson, is joining us today here in the Meeting House on Faith Radio. And I mentioned that you had worked with the late Chuck Colson with respect to Breakpoint as well as the feature, The Point. And so you have spent quite a bit of your life obviously immersed in Christian worldview and communicating a Christian worldview perspective. So let me ask you this. When we look at the way the culture views motherhood today, how would you contrast the cultural view with really what the Bible has to say, the Christian worldview perspective on motherhood?
3: Well, Bob, that's a great question. I think that um, oftentimes the, the cultural view of motherhood is kind of glorified daycare duties. Um, that, that it's nothing more than, um, just wiping bottoms and feeding babies. And I think we miss out on the fact the Christian worldview is that you are tending a, a human soul, something of Hmm. inestimable value. You are nurturing a gift from God. And that is something that, um, just infuses motherhood with so much dignity and so much worth. And I think that the other way that the culture falls off the horse is sometimes making it all about the child, everything revolving around the child. Um, And while as Christians, we honor and we um, look at that child as, as a beautiful gift of God, we remember that everything revolves around God and even our raising of that child revolves around him and doing that in a way to praise and glorify him. And that puts everything back into balance. It's not all about the baby, although the baby is of inestimable worth.
0: Catherine Claire Larson here on The Intersection. Her website address is CatherineClaireLarson.com. Catherine is spelled with a C. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by clicking on the Meeting House link in the programming menu at faithradio.org. When you visit The Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast and The Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, you can find video of Meeting House guests through the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There's a link from the Meeting House homepage. Two blogs are accessible as well. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page, Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations are also found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. Next on this edition of the intersection, it's Bill Myers. In a recent conversation, he discussed his series called The Magnificent Mulligans, which depicts members of a family who trust in God's faithfulness in challenging situations. The first book is Leapin' Leopards. The second is Lions, Elephants, and Lies. The book series is a partnership with focus on the family. Here now from that conversation is Bill Myers.
4: We actually uh, started to develop uh, the Magnificent Mulligans, which is this book series you just mentioned, uh, years ago, and uh, sort of a little sub sub uh, group of uh, the Adventures in Odyssey. And it's a uh, wild uh, well, it's a family whose motto is just say yes to God, whatever He asks for, mm-hmm. whatever He asks for. And so they wind up uh, adopting a bunch of kids and some foster kids, and and uh, before they know it, they're running a wild animal park. <laughs> so we've got uh, we've got all these kids, we've got the comedy and the mayhem, and we've also got some drama as they learn to work with each other while dealing with all the animals. So that that actually started in the radio series in Adventures in Odyssey. Oh wow! And uh, we did. S- we did several of those, and uh, in, in fact, the uh, the mother in the series uh, played uh, the mother in uh, *McGee and Me*. So we're sort of a tight knit little group, uh, and we did that for uh, for a few years, and then. Other projects came up, and we went back and revisited it, and said, uh, "Why don't we turn this into a book series?"
0: "Leapin' Leopards" is the first. Like you say, this is a family that actually has their own personal zoo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um,
4: we 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 try to uh, mix in a lot of different uh, children. There's eight kids in the family, uh, and uh, and a chimpanzee who is the family's pet and who actually tells the stories, uh, from her slightly unique perspective. And it, 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 deals with, uh, the series just deals with the adventures of these kids working together to try to keep the wild animal park alive. Uh, and in, in the first book, um, the, uh, oldest, uh, the young boy from New York city who is sure he knows everything accidentally leaves, uh, one of the gates open, and uh, pretty soon a leopard is uh, terrorizing the town. And so the kids uh, with mom and dad work to get a hold of, uh, to try to rein the leopard in. Uh, you know, I forgot, but we also have a comic series. Uh, uh, Focus on the Family has a, uh, a uh, children's magazine called Clubhouse. And uh, in Clubhouse, we have a two-page comic spread of, uh, of the same sort of adventures. So uh, they're, they're busy uh, trying to save that animal bark, All at the same time, uh, as I said, using the comedy and using the action and adventure to uh, bring in some, some uh, deep teachings. And, of course, uh, with the first one, the first teaching is about responsibility and um, just, you know, Living what you say, and not just and not just saying it.
0: Share with me just a bit about the, the message and how you use the characters to teach it.
4: A lot of the friction between the characters is uh, is to build up uh, the character um, morality, character uh, deepen the character of the kids as they keep bumping into each other. Uh, there's the oldest boy from New York, uh, his younger sister. Who's um? What is she? I think believe she's fourteen. Was born blind, so she's um, and and she's the smart one of the group. And uh, the two of them are always going at it, and they learn from each other. He learns a little bit of humility. She learns a little bit of uh, grace and love. And then we have a couple more uh, kids, twins, African American twins, uh, that are learning to work and. Be loved and to accept the love from the rest of the family. We have a kid from uh, from uh, Bolivia who is uh, is even younger, and so there's, there's just there's just this explosion of uh, of different types of kids working together and
0: laughing. Bill Myers here on the intersection. You can learn more through the Focus on the Family website at focusonthefamily.com. His website is Bill M-Y-E-R-S, Myrs.com. This is the Intersection Podcast with Dean Nelson, Vice President of Government Relations at Human Coalition. In our conversation, he shared about the work of that pro-life ministry and discussed incidents of violence against pregnancy resource centers. Here now from that conversation is Dean Nelson.
2: There's been uh, a lot of, uh, of attacks uh, for pregnancy centers. Uh, some of your listeners may know there's over 2,500 of these uh, local-based pregnancy centers around the country that uh, some estimates say provide over $100 million of community cost savings. They're mostly helped by volunteers, and uh, and they do great work by, uh, by serving women and providing resources. And so um, since the uh, overturning of Roe versus Wade last year, there's been a particularly intense uh, attack on PRCs. Uh, Some conservative estimates show over 85 pregnancy centers that have been vandalized, firebombed, uh, and I know some of them personally in major cities like Miami and Philadelphia. Uh, And so what we uh, have been trying to do is to highlight uh, the great work that pregnancy centers do around the country, but then also working with uh, state legislatures working with attorneys general in these different states to make sure that we can provide protections, because sadly, uh, at the federal level, they've gotten very little redress. Uh, I think that there have been two, uh, one uh, indictment uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, in um, in Florida and then uh, a subsequent um, arrest uh, also in uh, in Milwaukee either it was in wisconsin i'm not sure the city but it was in wisconsin so um the uh you know the justice department has been uh not very aggressive in pursuing all of these and by contrast we've seen the justice department cracking down on pro-life advocates Mm -hmm. in different cities Uh, in one case coming into a, a home of a man in pennsylvania uh disrupting his home i think um, actually, he was ultimately acquitted from any charges, but uh, we have to pray and be a strong voice advocating for uh, these pregnancy centers because we haven't really gotten the type of support that we would like to see uh, from the
0: Justice Department. Well, and when you find that you have people in high-profile positions, you mentioned Senator Warren. There are others that have basically said that pregnancy resource centers are providing miss information. I would say that, well, so many of these centers have ultrasound machines, the, the, the pictures don't lie. I mean, you can very plainly see an ultrasound is something that God has really given to these pregnancy resource centers in order to show these women the truth about their unborn children. But unfortunately, there is the, the labeling of these centers as being purveyors of misinformation, and they use their substantial resources to continue to reinforce what is, in essence, misinformation coming from the pro-abortion movement.
2: One hundred percent. I mean, if we really think about it, the leading abortion provider in the country has a name called Planned Parenthood. I mean, just think about that for a moment. They have Parenthood in their name, but they are the leading ab- you know, abortion provider in the country. So I don't think that we need to be lectured by them. Uh, the reality is, like at Human Coalition, 97 uh, percent of women that come through our doors, including those that go on to get Uh, abortions say that they would refer us to a family member or a friend i know also that similar statistics are shared with CareNet and other uh... national pregnancy center organizations and so uh... i think we have a great track record of serving women i remember when i got involved in this movement years ago and i was there in the city of baltimore when they had a a, a, a horrible Uh, ordinance that they were trying to pass to crack down on pregnancy centers, and they couldn't find anybody in the community to say anything negative. So Planned Parenthood had to pay to bring in people to say negative things about pregnancy centers. So those of us who serve and work in the communities know the vital work that they do, and we're just trying to use every available means platform like you're allowing us today to tell people the truth about the great stories that uh, that these organizations are doing by serving women and rescuing
0: children. Dean Nelson here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to humancoalition.org. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming menu at faithradio.org. When you access the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the Intersection podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. And you can watch video of Meeting House guests on the Faith Radio YouTube channel. A link is provided. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page, Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming menu at faithradio.org. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.